we want to give as much ground as we possibly can so that the times that we really can't, they feel like, you know what, most of the time I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm validated. Um, And I think, you know, appearance and hair color and some of those things is really a place we can do that. You know, okay, so they want a nose ring. Okay, sure, I'll say yes to a nose ring, but I'm going to say no to the party that you want to go to where I know there's going to be drugs and alcohol. You know what I mean? Like giving them as much space as we possibly can to explore figuring out who they are. And appearance, unfortunately, is a big part of that. It is. And I couldn't agree more. I think that this is an area where you should at least consider letting this be one of those areas where you give latitude because there are going to be other things where you maybe really need to say, I'm not going to be able to let you do fill in the blank. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Hello, everyone. Welcome, future-focused parents. We're back with you for another episode of Raising Adults podcast. Dina here, and Kira is along with me. I'm happy to say she is doing well after her surgery. Kira, tell us how your recovery is going. Yeah, it's been amazing. I am so, so thrilled. It's just been significantly easier than I thought it was going to be. I was back up on my feet really fast. Um and right now, I feel almost normal. Um, I'm just frustrated I can't do things like work out and lift things that are heavy. You'd be amazed how many heavy things you lift <laughs> throughout a day <laughs> that when you're not allowed to lift them, you have to be like, honey, can you come lift this jug of milk for me? <laughs> it's not fun. But other than that, it's going really well. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. I know a lot of our listeners, thank you to all of you who commented on social media, sent us your well wishes. I know that was much appreciated. So glad to hear that Kira is almost fully a person again, which is awesome. I know. And yes, thank you from the bottom of my heart, truly. It was like so lovely to see how people reacted and how much support it was really it was really nice because you're putting something vulnerable out there to have such a lovely response was really meaningful so thank you ffps you're awesome yeah absolutely and in the meantime not that that wasn't enough but at least in our part of the country we also started school and that's been wild i hope those of you out there who are navigating this really unique school year that you're doing well, we even among the two of us have different scenarios. So Kira, your kids are fully online and remote learning at home, right? That's right. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a tall order. And they started what the day before your surgery, I think it was. Yeah, it was really a great timing. (laughs) Just a great convergence. But our school did a really nice job. They they took the first couple of weeks to just try and get the kids connected to their classmates and feel and community building and kind of ease them in so it wasn't just an onslaught. And so in that way, not only has that gone very well, but the timing of that with the surgery was perfect. So thank you to the school district for doing it that way. <laughs> very helpful just for to me. You. Yes, right. Unbeknownst <laughs> to them, they did it perfectly for you. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. And you? 
How's it going over there? Because you guys are on campus, properly on campus. But oh my goodness, your school has done the most amazing stuff to make that possible. It is mind-blowing. Please tell everyone what they've done. We've been really impressed. And I think it also puts my parent heart at ease, which is really nice. So of the three of our five that are still in school, we have one who was already doing online high school even before the pandemic. So things for her look very similar. She's just used to hopping online to do school. And then for my college student, she did get to go back and be in the dorms, which is really nice, but it looks pretty different. And they kind of left it up to kind of professor by professor. So some are very comfortable and they're teaching online or doing a hybrid model where half the class comes and half the class watches in their dorm. And then the next time class meets, they switch. And then other professors are fully remote. And and I really love that there was that that opportunity to match the comfort level. So she's thrilled to be back at school, even though it, of course, looks quite a bit different. And then our youngest, who's still in high school, is back on campus. And that school has done just, I mean, they've done a great job. So shout out to Providence. Great work. Because it's I'm a little bit privy to some of what goes on behind the scenes, and I've gotten to see just over the summer all the things installed, all the touchless faucets, all the touchless soap dispensers, all the hand sanitizer stations. And we even have ways you don't have to open a door with your hand. I mean, it's amazing. They've installed these things where you just put your foot on it and you can open the door with your shoe. I mean, incredible. So that's been really great. And again, there's families who are choosing a remote option there too. But my son is on campus, and I know that for my mom heart, I felt a lot safer once I read their very robust plan for how to to keep everybody safe. I mean, the little kids even have desk shields. They're in their little bubble behind their plastic shield, which is good because, you know, small kids, they will randomly sneeze even in their mask or whatever. So (laughs) it's just smart. Put them behind the bubble, people. So yeah, very different. So actually two of our three that are still in school are are in person, at least for the most part. So really, really an interesting year. Yeah. It'll be interesting to kind of chat with you about the two like side by side and how they're going and where are the pros and cons. And it's just, yeah, it's a fascinating year all around. Yeah. Honestly. Just see how it (laughs) unfolds. Indeed. And hey, you know what, FFPs? We want to give a big shout out to our new members who joined the FFP family. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting our show and becoming a part of our community in this way. And we are so excited that we get to engage with you. Uh, So shout out to Katie, Julie, Lauren, Tony, and Tamara or Tamara, I'm not quite sure, but shout out to all of you guys. Thank you so much for becoming members. We are so thrilled to be able to offer the Q&A for our top tier members. And it's been just really fun to get to engage with them and answer questions. It's kind of like having a parent coach in your back pocket. So if you think you might be interested in supporting the show or joining at that top tier where you get to actually Q&A with us, um, there's a middle tier where you get access to that amazing library of video and audio that we have called Future Focus in five. If you think you might be interested, do check it out. You can go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com, click on membership, and it'll show you all of your options. But yeah, if you have questions or you feel like, gosh, it'd be nice once a month to just get to ask a parent coach some questions, then that top tier is for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that we're able to 
recognize those of you who've popped on since since we were here last. And thank you so much again just for supporting our show and what we do and being future-focused parents yourselves because your, your membership actually indicates that you're interested in doing this job of parenting well. And so we just commend you for that and look forward to sharing with you. And we look forward to sharing with you today where we have an episode that actually was brought on, kind of spurred on by a listener question, but it was just a little bit more to unpack than we could really feel we could do justice to in a spin cycle. So we decided to do a whole episode on this topic. And really what we're going to be talking about is is kind of self-image and beauty and all the things with that. But Kira, do you want to kind of share what the question was around? And I know we'll probably take a few rabbit trails from that, but where did this start? Yeah, it started, one of our listeners reached out with a question about makeup and their daughter and sort of, you know, what do you guys think about young girls with makeup and how do we even engage in that dialogue, especially if we're trying to promote the whole beauty from within conversation. And it just, you know, she, she just kind of was curious about the whole thing overall. And when I called Dina and I was like, this is a really important topic. Like we need to talk about how we're handling this. And especially because Dina's been through those teen years where this ramps up and I'm in those early years where we're just really starting to engage with some of this Oh, what does she look like? What do I look like? It's it's just a bizarre thing to be dipping a toe into. And and I know both of us, Dina, you and I, did things even when they were small around this to set ourselves up for success as we moved into those years. So I think it's just an important conversation to have. It is. I, I would agree. And I think just launching into this, I want to just start as we always do with our why. And I know for me, a strong why around this it, it's it's intermingled it definitely has elements where my faith plays a role my intellect plays a role my own experience plays a role because i grew up in a family of origin where this also got got talked about quite a bit but my main why is really wanting to foster positivity and i think especially with the media and increasing digitization of the images that we're faced with and our that our kids are faced with it's so easy to get caught up in not just the questions you just asked, like, how do I look? How does that person look? How does that person think I look? But there's also this underneath one, especially with media, which is how should I look? Yeah. And so a why for me around this really became about unpacking that and getting away from I have to look a certain way into loving how I already look. And then we can talk about do I maybe do things to enhance that or enjoy myself even more, but getting away from this should. And I think that is getting harder and harder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny because I think when I think about my why around this, it's really about like, what's the phrase, like doing the least amount of evil? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I think it's, I think it's such a wonderful goal, but so lofty to think that we're actually going to effectively raise our kids to to not care. I I just think it's impossible. The media is so powerful and the influence of other children who maybe don't have parents that are parenting in this way is so powerful. It feels like you're just like swimming upstream. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think it was about minimizing impact. So my why was really around doing everything I could possibly do to minimize the conversation where it needed to be minimized, to avoid it where I could avoid it, 
to prevent it where I could prevent it. You know what I mean? Like limit exposure, use my vocabulary well, all of that. And we can get into the nuts and bolts of that later. But the why was like doing the least amount of harm. That, and I don't even know if that's a, is, is that even a why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. There, your, your why was minimizing impact. That's minimizing actual impact. Why. See, thank you for taking my ramblings and and neatly compartmentalizing them like that. Yes. That was my, my why was minimizing impact. And that is a Period. that is a real lie. <laughs> and I and I don't think this is just a a female issue with no. makeup or jewelry. I mean, we see this, I think, across genders, and I think we see this increasingly at younger ages too. So, and you have ones that, oh, just had a birthday. And so you have ones that are still though in those earlier grade school years. So what kind of foundation did you start laying while they were still little? Well, when they were little, I was really careful about what they watched. And I've talked about this before, like the books we read and what we watched um, were huge for me. I was really aware around all kinds of topics of the things I wanted to avoid. And this was one of them. So if there was a show where characters were always talking about image or commenting on how another character looked, I just stopped letting them watch that show. I just thought I don't need that narrative in their brain before it needs to be there. Same with books. If it came up in a book that, you know, we really loved or that we were going to keep reading, we'd have a dialogue about it. Like, huh, what do you think about that? You know, do you, I mean, all the questioning that you and I, you know, love to do. Like, what do you think about that comment that she made? Or what do you think that about the fact that this person seems to be judging this other person based on their color of their t-shirt or, you know, whatever it was. So those were some of the things. And then I was also just very careful because this was something that my parents did not do well. um, And I wanted to be very careful about it. I was very careful about how I spoke about myself. I really work hard to not let them see my insecurities around my image. Obviously, I have many (laughs) because I'm female and you just can't grow up female I mean, male too, but I think women have it in some ways significantly stronger messages from the media. And so I was very careful that they only heard me talk about my appearance in a positive way. So, you know, my baby belly that I have from having them in there, I talk about it in a loving way. Like it's so, it's such a beautiful belly. Every time I look at, look at it, I think of you. Um, or every time I look at it, I think how strong my body is to grow two babies and bring them into this world. You know, whatever feelings I may have about my weight or my hair or my face or whatever, I keep that to myself. So those are the things I was doing when they were, when they were very small. Were you similar? Yeah, I think the, I mean, we all know I'm such a word person. The vocabulary thing was pretty huge for me. And I'm going to just out myself and say, I don't think I did great at this, but it was in my mind to care about it. And I think I want to just say to parents who might be in that same boat that that counts. I mean, I want to just kind of encourage you that sometimes you don't just get there by wanting to, you might even start a step back with wanting to want to. And it's, and it might be really about creating some new habits for yourself. And that comes over time. So I think I didn't do great in the beginning, but I know it was really important to me. The other thing that was really important to me was making any compliments in terms of myself and my children really not tied to looks. Mm-hmm. So so in instead of about 
you know, how beautiful they look or whatever, it would be like, oh, your body is so strong. Or isn't it amazing how healthy you are and the way that your owie is healing? You know, like we would talk about like all these amazing capabilities our bodies had and really focus on those. So there was a lot of positivity around look what my body can do, not look at how it looks. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's so huge because this is how those narratives form is what are the comments and conversations that are coming up about the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about them. And it's no different than you're you're so capable or you really worked hard at that versus you're smart, you're stupid, right? It's it's that same idea of, of we have to be very careful how we phrase things to our kids because that's what they're going to internalize and that's going to become that inner voice in their head. We're going to take a super quick break and then we'll come back with more of this conversation. Sound good, Dina? Sounds great. Well, hi, everyone. We just want to take a second to tell you about an amazing photographer that we just worked with. Her name is Christy Tamsin. She is phenomenal, and she kind of takes photography and the concept of a photo shoot and flips it on its head. And we loved it. We loved working with her. We loved the photos that came out of it. We had our professional photos done. So if you're on social media, a lot of the photos that you see of the two of us are from the time we spent with her. Um, and my family actually had their our family photos done with her, too, and it was amazing. And Dina, you had such a good point about why it worked, like what it was that was so special about working with Christy. So tell everyone about it. Yeah, I think what really struck me about our day with her, and it literally was a day. I mean, she was there for hours, which was also really unique in my previous experience with photography. But, you know, when you're being photographed, it's very often that you're hearing things like, oh, can you stand there? You kneel there. Can you put your left arm over there? And you end up kind of in maybe some contorted positions or things that at least I would say at a minimum aren't natural. And what I noticed is with Christy, it wasn't like that at all. Kira and I went about our day and Christy was the one in wild positions trying to capture that. So sometimes she was standing on furniture or she'd have her arm at some crazy angle with the camera up high. And she was the one I guess in a sense, making herself a little bit less comfortable and awkward so that she could capture us just doing what we do. And I that just really struck me. And I think anyone who uses her would just be really, really see the benefit of that. She's doing the work to make sure you look just how you would normally look doing your life. It was amazing. Yeah, it really, really was. And during COVID, she's doing outdoor and backyard sessions. She's wearing a mask. She's socially distant. She's doing everything she can to make sure that her clients feel safe, but can still capture those amazing moments. So if you're interested in lifestyle photography, that's what this style is called, where they really capture you doing your life, which is absolutely what our family photos turned out like. She captured us being us in our like most natural state. And I'm in all the pictures, which is unheard of, right? Other than posed <laughs> photography, mom's never in the picture. Um, so if you're interested in checking her out, her website is christytamsinphotography.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-T-A-M-C-S-I-N photography.com. There's going to be a link in our show notes. So be sure to check her out. She's fabulous. Okay. So tell us more then about what it was like for you, Dina, as you're transitioning from those younger years where we're setting that tone with you know, our vocabulary and really trying to think about how we're talking about our children and how that links to their own body image um, and sense of self. How did that transition for you as you moved into those tween and teen years? Because I'm on the brink, so I, <laughs> I would like some advice too. <laughs> well, I think two themes emerged for me. 
And while I'm not saying I executed them perfectly, I really tried to stay within these parameters. And one is I used other frameworks when possible to remove that sense of a battle. And we've talked about this before. We just don't want to set up a battle dynamic, make something a struggle. So I I used the other things around me. So this would be akin to with social media saying, hey, you can't have a social media profile because even Facebook says you have to be 14. You know, let it be Facebook's problem. <laughs> don't, don't make a battle with yourself. And so I had the benefit of a school with some rules. And so I leaned on that. I'm just being honest. I used the resources available to me to make it not a battle between parent and child. It was just like, oh, that's the rule. You're not going to be able to do that yet. And so I think that was something that was a benefit. Not everybody has that option, but I think if you do have other infrastructures in place, sometimes sports teams have these. Sometimes there's rules about appearance for certain organizations you might be in or activities your children might be involved in. You know, explain those policies and say, oh, well, this this is what, what the rule is here. And it just removes it being this, like, because I said so, which we're not fans of anyway. So I did use that. That was, that was one piece. But the second thing is, is I chose to always lead with the positive. And that was huge. So what I mean by that is the first time, say, that my daughter mentioned wanting to get her ears pierced. It was, wow, pierced ears can be really pretty. Like I found something positive to say about it before launching into, well, you're not old enough or we're not going to do it till 10 and here's why or whatever. Mm. I, th- I think how we lead makes such a difference. And so I led with something positive about whatever it was, whether it was my son wanting to cut his hair a different way, wanting to grow his hair, my daughter wanting to dye her hair. All these things have happened to us. <laughs> if, it, if it was around makeup, which wasn't really a big thing in our house, uh, we it just it just wasn't. But that came up, it was always, what can I find that's positive? And that set us up to have a conversation about it instead of an argument about it. And I think that was really helpful. So those were kind of two two things I did, lead with the positive, find something great about it. And then I guess I only said two, but there is a third one. And that is that I decided way early on, and I'm talking like maybe even while I was pregnant, but while my kids were really little, I just decided that external appearance for me, while I think it it can lend itself to important things around self-concept and confidence, I wasn't going to pick this as as a hill to die on, so to speak. I was never going to pick hair color, say, over a character issue like kindness. And I think deciding that very early on made some of this not not necessarily easier, but it just made me relax a little bit and say, oh, they probably will try some of this stuff, but I'm going to lean into a lot of it also will move on. And I think that's another thing to remember, parents out there, that so many of these things are kids trying on, so to speak. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it. They're trying on these different images or identities, and they often move through that as they figure out their true identity and really come to own that and accept it and be grateful for it. So seeing this as some transient phases can be helpful instead of thinking, oh no, for sure, the crazy eyebrow pencil is going to be forever. You know, probably, (laughs) probably not. (laughs) 
Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I think actually we, we do kids a disservice when we don't allow them to try those things on. They need to. And it's it's partly how they're going to feel seen and heard too within their home, right? We've talked about this before. We, we want to give as much ground as we possibly can so that the times that we really can't, they feel like, you know what, most of the time I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm validated. Um, and I think, you know, appearance and hair color and some of those things is really a place we can do that. You know, okay, so they want a nose ring. Okay, let, sure, I'll say yes to a nose ring, but I'm going to say no to the party that you want to go to where I know there's going to be drugs and alcohol. You know what I mean? Like giving them as much space as we possibly can to explore figuring out who they are. And appearance, unfortunately, is a big part of that. It is. And I couldn't agree more. I think that this is an area where you should at least consider letting this be one of those areas where you give latitude because there are going to be other things where you maybe really need to say, I'm not going to be able to let you do fill in the blank. Right. And then I think there's a dialogue that comes with it too. And I'm curious the conversations you've had both with Mark and Sienna, because I think that I'm very aware that I'm not only shaping how my daughter sees herself as a woman and her own sense of beauty and confidence, et cetera, I'm also shaping how Reese is going to view women. And if I'm sending a message to my daughter of beauty, 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 that I'm also sending that message to my son. So I think there's there's dialogues I know happening in my house around this where I'm I'm very aware that they're they're each also being shaped around the opposite gender and what they should be expecting from the opposite gender if they, you know, turn out to be attracted to the opposite gender, how that's going to unfold based on some of the conversations in our home. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think even aside from attraction, I think there's a generic respect that we want to cultivate across genders regardless. I mean, yeah. Attraction aside, sexual orientation aside, just how do I interact with people and care about them separate from just focusing on this external? I think that's an important life lesson for everybody. Absolutely. So what did those what did those conversations look like for you? Well, I think the the key things that I would say is the conversations happen early and often. So start them younger than you think you need to and be age appropriate, but specific. So what I mean by that is while to a nine-year-old, you might not talk about the dangers of sex trafficking, for instance, you can still say things like, sometimes we notice that the way a person dresses might draw our eye to it. So we would talk about that, about an awareness of if it makes you look, then what's your response? Because we talked in our home about both responsibilities. I do not subscribe to if something unfortunate happens to you, it's because you were in the low cut dress. We just absolutely defy that in our home. At the same time, we think it's important to have awareness that maybe the way you dress, you need to know it might have a certain reaction. Now, also with my son, that meant I had to talk to him about his responsibility for his reaction. And I think sometimes families might miss one or the other. And it really is another time, I know, broken record, but it's another time where it's not either or. It is both and. Being aware of what you put forth in the world and being aware that you have a responsibility in how you respond to that. And so that started really young and it started with really age-appropriate things about the clothes that we put on and how we feel about ourselves in our clothes and how other people might feel about us and how do we separate the two. That's a really important distinction to make that how somebody feels about my looks, how do I make sure that 
I at least mitigate how much it affects how I feel about mm-hmm. my looks. And it, I think it just starts earlier than we think. And so it's really an ongoing dialogue, like with so many of the topics we've covered on the podcast. It's not a one and done conversation. It's ongoing. My son is almost 17. We still talk about these things. I mean, literally just yesterday, this came up in some pictures we were looking at. So I think teaching him how to be truly in not the archaic sense of the word, but truly as a person, how to be a gentleman. And that really matters to me. I do think as we talked about on the common courtesy episode, some of that is getting lost. And that includes making excuses for, well, I couldn't help looking or blah, blah, blah. I don't, we don't do that. And and we, and we talk through why we don't tolerate that and why we can raise the bar to a higher level and why you can be a young man that is respectful and is courteous and rises above that. And so that's an ongoing thing at almost 17. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think to answer the makeup question, because I do want to make sure that we that we do that. Yes, we should. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, with Rhiannon, so Rhiannon's nine, and I let her wear lip gloss because she likes it and she likes how it smells and how it tastes. And, um, and that's been totally fine. And, you know, I think that as that conversation starts to grow – there's been a a tone set of you know my kids my kids get to pick what they wear i very rarely comment or ask them to wear anything different i was also really careful when they were small about what i put them in and not trying to like box them into a corner of like bows and trucks you know so now you know they get dressed they can wear whatever they want they can pick out you know mostly whatever they want i'm more concerned about the price of an outfit than i am about what's on the outfit and the few times that they've picked out maybe a shirt that they really like that's had a slogan on it that i don't like we've just dialogued about it like huh did you read what it said what do you think about that i don't know that i love that you're walking around saying that with your body what do you think you know that dialogue piece is so important the whole way through. But with regards to makeup, I think that it's this fine balance of we live in a world where women wear makeup. A lot of them do. Should they? Shouldn't they? I don't know. That's a whole other conversation for us to have. But the reality is that's the world we live in is a lot of women wear makeup. And so my hope is for Rhiannon to, as she gets older, develop a desire to, if she wants to wear it, that she's wearing it because she likes it. It's fun to put on. It's fun to play with. She can give herself all these different looks, not because she feels ugly without it. And to me, that's the dialogue that needs to be happening is why do you want to wear it? If you want to wear it like the lip gloss, she's like, it's fun. It tastes funny. Mm -hmm. And I love how shiny it is. You know, fine. If she was like, well, all my friends are wearing it, that would have been a completely different discussion. So I think asking those questions of tell me why, like, and I love your idea of leading with the positive, like lip gloss is really pretty. Tell me why you want to wear it is super smart. And and having that dialogue be there the whole way through for whatever the image stuff is. And I will say last thing, the normalizing piece, especially for our girls, but also for our boys. You know, when Rhiannon hits that point, because she will, where she doesn't like something about her body or somebody says something nasty to her at school, I want to be the person who's like, you know what, sweetie? It's normal. It's normal to feel that way. Like most women have felt that way. And it sucks that we feel that way. But it's also very normal. So the question is, how do we mitigate it? Exactly what you said. How do I start to pull apart what is coming at me from the world and how I actually want to feel and how I actually feel? And that to me is the core of of what I want both my kids to be able to do. Yeah. Okay. I I love so much of that. And I just, I have to piggyback. I know we need to wrap up, but I want to make another distinction. I love your distinction about, I feel good in the makeup. It's fun. I enjoy it versus I feel ugly without it. 
So important. You guys, I hope you latched on to what Kira just said there. That is critical. And here's another one we talked about in our house that I think can be really helpful. And that is because I think every kid or teen at least goes through a little time where maybe there's a feature of their face or their body they're not super excited about. So we also talked about with the makeup thing to address this question that it can be really fun and okay to enhance things that are already there. So I, for instance, I don't have very long eyelashes. So one of my favorite cosmetics is mascara. And I actually like it because I'm like, oh, now I have eyelashes. That's so fun. (laughs) It doesn't mean I hate my eyes without it, but I really like that. So that's really fun for me. But it's enhancing something I already have. I already have eyelashes. So we talked a lot about enhancing or, you know, bringing highlight to something that's already there rather than using makeup or any other thing, a hairstyle, hair color to cover up or actually just create something that was never there in the first place. And that's very different because some people do get into such modification of their appearance that you know there's something deeper going on. And so we talked a lot about the difference between a little little extra versus like, I'm trying to create something that was never there in the first place, or I'm trying to make myself look completely different, which to me is a little waving of a red flag that like something is going on here. Yeah. And so, so that's smart. just that's just a distinction I wanted to add. And I'm just going to say really quick, because this could come some of you guys' way, it can come, that also part of feeling great in your own skin for some kids does mean adding some extra things to it. And I, I might have to do a whole spin cycle on it, but I'm just, I'm just saying this falls under that category of be careful to decide in advance what is worth a conversation for you or what is worth, hey, this is really an issue I feel strongly about. I think that's, you've got to think about it in advance because we've had, you know, everything from hair color to tattoos in our family. And and it was really good that we decided in advance how we were going to handle that on the inside. Maybe sometimes we had to do the And the Oscar goes to face, but it's still important to think about those things in advance. That's being a future focused parent is saying, okay, if my child comes to me and asks about A, B, or C, whether it's makeup, a piercing, a tattoo, a haircut, what, what is, what is my response to that going to be? What kind of conversation would I want to have around that? So again, you're, you're thinking in advance, it's that proactive piece and not letting yourself be caught off guard because more than likely, at least one of those questions will come your way at some point. Yeah, it's true. Well, listeners, before we wrap up, I just want to remind you, if you haven't yet followed us on social media, please do. We are at Future Focused Parenting on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't yet given us a nice five-star rating and written some kind words, we would be so grateful if you did. Those reviews really do make a difference to podcasters. And we are so grateful to the 94 of you who have already done so. If you haven't yet, please consider writing us a nice review and we will pop it up on social media and share it with the world. And don't don't forget, if you're interested in that membership, you can go to futurefocusedparenting.com. Just want to give a special shout out to the members who are at that first level, which really is just supporting the show. Just a $5 contribution to say, hey, your work matters to me. Thanks so much for supporting us. To all of our members, we're so grateful to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining the FFP family and supporting our important work for parents. We really do appreciate it. So we hope this was helpful. I know we only touched on the actual makeup question, But what we're hoping is that in the larger context, you out there as you parent will be thinking about these larger issues of self-image and beauty and what face we literally and figuratively put forth to the world and that you can help your children navigate through that. We look forward to being back with you next week with more. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in my office. Editing by Allison Preisinger. 
Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.